Welcome to a Longer Table podcast, a space for real and sometimes hard conversations that will often challenge your perspective and always empower you to pull up more seats around your own table. I'm your host, Amanda Carpenter. Let's dive in. All right, you guys, I am so excited. Today, sitting across the table from me is my mentor and my friend, Rocio. I am so excited for you to hear um, just her wisdom. Rocio and I met when we were working together at a church in a a few years past, and she was just the kindest, Mm. most like pure soul. And there was something about her that I was so attracted to. And I think it's safe to say that I was attracted to the Jesus in you. Mm. Um, but I basically just was like, will you mentor me? I really want like whatever it is that you've got. Like I want it. And so she agreed and we met and continued to meet. And our mentorship has just kind of turned into this really organic friendship where she continues to pour into me and speak into me because she's wise and has more life experience than me. And I am so thankful for her voice in this world for so many reasons. Rocio, I'm going to shut up because I want people to hear what you have to say. Thanks for being here. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for asking me to be a part of this. Yeah. So Rocio, tell um, tell everyone what you do. So I am a life and business transformational coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been doing this work for about six and a half years now. Um, I started off just working with women over the years that's progressed. I started working with men. And now, interestingly enough, I work with couples. Mm. Um, But I help people. So I've created two programs. And the first program is just doing the deep healing um, root work. So the heart work. Um, And the second program I created is helping people grow their business. Um, Incredibly Holy Spirit led. Um, yeah, but I love the work that I do. Yeah, you're so good at it. Thanks. But we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation and talking about what it is that you do if things had played out differently in your life. So I want to back up yeah. because there's mm-hmm. so much to your story that people don't know. So right. like, let's back up to who you were 10 years ago. Okay, so Rocio 10 years ago looked completely different than Rocio today. So um, to know me is to know that about, that I'm an Enneagram 4 um, with a strong 3 wing. But Rocio 10 years ago was really leaning into that 3 wing. So uh, overachiever, go-getter. Um, I was amazing at walking into spaces um, and just figuring out who I needed to be and how I needed to show up in that space. Mm. I was always really good at identifying who was who and who I needed to know, um, what connections I needed to make, um, saying yes to just about every opportunity that came my way because I I just didn't want to miss my opportunity or my, my big break. Um, and I don't even think that I was aware of what my big break was was you know or what I was looking for um I just knew that I wanted a big life and that I held um I held that power that that Mm. power was mine when you say a big life describe what this like dream life looked like to you because I have a feeling that it's similar Mm. to what a lot of us hold in our minds as like at the other end of I'll be happy when I have fill in the blank yeah totally so um 
everything the world tells you that you need in order to live a big, happy life. So I was working really hard to attain um, the perfect house on the perfect block with the perfect car, um, the perfect marriage with the perfect children. <laughs> um, my mom, no, it was, I was truly, it was sickening. I remember my mother one time being like, Rocio, you are not a Stepford wife. Mm. Stop. You need mm. to stop. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that was you. Mm -hmm. You were striving for all these things. Mm -hmm. I, as you know, one of our, one of my favorite mantras, one of the core values of this show is impressing is exhausting. So we're going to show up real. Yeah. We're going to talk about the uncomfortable <laughs> things. I love it. Did something happen or how did you uh, snap out of it, so to speak? How did you end up realizing this isn't necessarily the life God has for me or the life that I want. And, and where, what happened that pivoted your, your journey? Yeah. Um, so I started studying, um, people who I thought were, um, successful and I started to study their habits and, um, just their way of life. And I started to try and implement those same practices into my life. And I mentioned that because I, though doing that, um, kind of catapulted me into like this manic stage. I call it like my manic, the manic period of my life um, where I, I became a runner. So I ran for quite a few years. I became obsessed with running. Um, I would run six miles in the morning, eight miles in the evening. I was training for all kinds of races. Um, I obsessed about what I ate, when I ate. Um, and you don't even like running. Well, do I, I do. I love running, but it, it went from something that I just truly loved and enjoyed um, to something that I just, I I had to do because it helped me become more disciplined and mm. consistent. And I looked and felt amazing. Mm. Um, and it's crazy. I call it my manic stage because, man, underneath it all, I was so depressed. Mm. I was so depressed. And, you know, it was an addiction. It was a healthy addiction. And healthy addiction, I think, are silent cries for help. But they're so often applauded. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. So Healthy I mean, addiction. Say that again. That was good. Yeah. So healthy addictions are silent cries for help. Um, and they're applauded. And I think I, I was crying for help. Um, and everybody was just like, yay, Rocio, I wish I could be more like you. Look at you. I am <laughs> having like a total like brain moment where you are like speaking. Okay. Yes. This is people. This is why Rocio is my mentor. She is <laughs> full of wisdom. Oh my goodness. Okay. So yeah, keep, keep going. Tell me, tell me the pivotal moment. Yeah. So, um, I was training for the Chicago marathon and I hurt my left knee mm. and, um, I remember being out like on a 15 mile run and, um, I remember thinking, I remember like just running through the pain and I remember having this moment. It was actually a conversation with God. And at that point, I was really struggling with my faith. Um, I had started praying to a God that I wasn't even sure I believed in at the, at the time. Um, but I remember just saying um, to him, if I, if I hurt my knee, like and to the point where I can never run again, what will become of my life? Mm. And I remember thinking, I will fall apart. Mm. Um, my life will crumble. 
Um, so on the outside, everybody saw, you know, oh, Rocio has her own business. At that time, I was an event planner, so I had my own event planning business. Um, my kids are absolutely adorable, and so they were always dressed to the tees. People, Real talk, your kids are so cute. Thanks. People would come into my home, and I would have people make comments and say, your house should totally be featured on, you know, an interior design magazine. And um, my best friend, and here's the crazy thing, and here's really the sad thing. My best friend, it was my birthday, and I had invited a group of friends over for dinner, and um, I have a culinary degree, and I was making homemade ice cream sandwiches, and I'm si- standing at my, I was standing <laughs> at my kitchen counter, and I was rolling um, the, the ice cream sandwich on like just a plate of chocolate chips, and I remember my best friend looks at me, and she says, you're so perfect. I want to be just like you when I grow up, and I um, the first thought that crossed my mind was you have no freaking idea. Mm. No freaking idea. I was just so good at wearing masks. So mm. good at wearing masks and showing up and pretending um, to be who everybody needed me to be. Mm. Um, but I was, I was so depressed. I felt so lonely. Um, I felt like there was no one who, re- I felt like no one really cared or um, cared to sit in the, the crap with me. Like, mm-hmm. I think I just needed someone to sit in the, and I swear a lot, so I'm trying really hard not to <laughs> swear, <laughs> but really looking for someone to sit in the crap with me. And nobody wanted to. Mm. Nobody wanted to. Um, so this this season of running and hurting my knee, um, because what happened was then my right knee started to overcompensate for my left, and so I hurt my right knee. I ended up running the marathon and finishing in great time, but um, I was all beat up by the mm. end of it. And um, I just remember falling and falling and falling. And I had started, I, like I said, I had just kept praying to this God that I wasn't even sure I believed in and praying and asking him to show me the way and saying, you know what, if you show me the way, I promise I'll do the work. And it became like a mantra. Mm. Um, it was a prayer that I prayed in my car. Show me the way and I'll do the work. Show me the way and I'll do the work. Just show me the way and I'll do the work. Um, And now the God that I know and have come um, to know is just, he did what he always does. And um, he sent, um, he sent just a human angel. (laughs) Um, I got called. um, So I'm going to try to make a a long story really short because I'm good at doing the opposite. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This is why we're friends. (laughs) But um, again, I was an event planner. And so I had a friend from college. We were, my husband and I were planning on going to her wedding. And she called me about two nights before the wedding and said, my event planner has gone MIA. Um, Can I ask you to please not be a guest, but um, to be my day of planner? And so I said, yeah, of course. And I looked, turned to my husband and I was like, I think you should stay home. <laughs> um, just drop me off and uh, now I'm going to go work, you know, different hat. Um, and on the way to the wedding, my husband was, you know, driving and I was sitting there next to him and I'm like, man, I'm going to meet somebody really great today. And, you know, my husband knows how I am. And so is okay, you know. <laughs> Another one of Rocio's crazy ideas. Totally. Um, but I felt it. I'm going to meet somebody really great today. And so I wasn't sure who that person was. I reconnected with a bunch of people from college I hadn't seen in years. Um, and just in, in, in the midst of, of, of it all, um, I was introduced to um, one woman. 
who um, was introduced to me as a business coach. And I remember, I still remember my reaction when my friend was like, you need to meet so-and-so. She's a business coach. And thinking, a business coach? Mm. You know, I've never heard of a business coach before. Um, why would you hire a business coach? And I didn't like her. My, first, my initial reaction was, I don't like you. I didn't think she was warm <laughs> or friendly. Mm. Um, but there was something about her that intrigued me, and I wasn't sure what it was. So we exchanged mm. numbers. Um, and it took about a week to connect. Um, I had tried reaching out to her, but I think she had maybe a very similar aversion to me. Um, and so we connected on a Friday and, uh, I remember she was just asking me about my business and where I saw my business, you know, in the next five years, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and still not completely convinced that this was for me. Um, but I was an entrepreneur and thought, Hey, you know, I could use the extra help. Um, and then she asked me this one question that I felt came out of nowhere. And it was, what is your relationship like with your father? Um, and I just started bawling. Wow. Yes. That seems like <laughs> such a random question when you're talking about business. Yes. Mm -hmm. And she, what she shared with me was, there is a lot of healing work that you need to do, and I can't work with you until it's done. Um, so I just remember being like, okay, well, what does that mean? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Where do I start? You know, where do I start? And um, she's like, I know this seems really random, but there's this group that I volunteer with, and they do the they do the healing work and I would love to introduce you. It's a two week long program and at the end of the program they go on a retreat. They start Monday. Are you interested? Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I figured I had nothing to lose. So I said yes. Yeah. So that was one of the big oh, turning yeah. points. Right. You meet this woman. You had that gut feeling you're going to meet someone great. You meet this woman who you don't think is great initially. No, but not at all. But, but that's how it works. You know, when there is when when God presents us with something that is so um, something that is for us, um, there's resistance. Mm. There is all that has been my experience in all of these in these last ten years is that there is always resistance. Yeah. Um, and I've learned um, how to lean into that resistance. You know, like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that's true for my story as well. I feel like the more I live in the light, which there'll be other episodes where I talk about that specifically, but the more I live into the light, the more I feel like I have this really flourishing relationship with the Lord, the more I feel people who are in an unhealthy state reject me and really project things onto me. And um, so that resistance, I would say, I totally feel feel that. And I'm curious if, yeah, for you, if it was like you were in this maybe darker season without oh, um, other right. people knowing it because you were good at wearing the masks. Right. And you probably had all this inner work to do that you didn't realize you needed to do. Right. Let alone about, you know, your father and right. your upbringing and things like that. Right. And it's crazy because looking back what, and I love that you started, I love that you started this, um, our time together by saying that you were attracted to the God in me, because I think that was the thing that I was attracted, um, you know, that attracted me to her was yeah. the God in her. That's the thing that intrigued you. Like oh, she might yeah. not have been the most warmer, friendly person, but you're like, there's something about there's it. There's something. Mm. There's something. Um, and that I wanted that thing. Mm. I wanted that thing. And over the years, I've found that um, that 
man, the people that are attracted attracted to attracted to me, they're not actually attracted to me, but to the God in me. Yeah. Yeah. And you raise a good point. I've been struggling with just in the weird work that I do specifically like the online side of it, like both with this podcast and with social media, I'm like, how can I get people to hear me when I say, I don't want you to be more like me. Like, I'm not trying to influence you to be like me and like the things that I like and have the same personality as me. That's that's not my goal. And I, I find that that's the weird tension that I have to like actually come back and be really um, conscious of because mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to influence you to be more like you. Right. I want to influence you to know Jesus or mm-hmm. to find that higher power, to to discover the um, inner work that you need to do so that you can heal. Mm-hmm. Because you're already good. Yeah. Like, that's what I want for people. And so I have that weird tension where I'm like, I don't actually want you to be more like me. Because I'll have people say, oh, I want to I wanna foster like you and I want to marriage like you and all that. And, and, and if they do want to be married or they want to foster, like, great. I'm right. all for it. Right. But sometimes I have this weird, like, oh, what am I doing wrong? Because I don't actually want you to be more like me. Right. That's a tension I'm sitting in currently. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I get that. You know, I think... You know, I, I sometimes I wonder if people really see or understand that when you become more, more like you, you end up resembling Jesus. More, you you look more like Jesus, yeah. you know. Um, and yeah, so what would it look like if you just stepped into your power? You know. Yeah, I think people are afraid of it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that for sure. And don't trust it, right? And that's another thing that over these last 10 years that I've come to find is that our relationship with God is merely a reflection of our relationship with self. Mm. You know, so if we're having, if if we're struggling to trust God, to surrender, um, to follow his lead, then we are having issues trusting ourselves. Um, yeah. And we're probably really good. And that's, part of my story I was really good at betraying myself Mm. you know instead of actually living into who you were yes yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I was so busy being what everybody else wanted me to be because I wanted to be loved and accepted Mm. and then in my healing what I found was that I am loved and accepted and seen by the most high and so I honestly don't care anymore what people think of me yeah and I have seen that. I yeah. have seen that come to life even more in the last, yeah. like, what, three years? Yeah, well, because years the work never ends, right? It never ends. And so we just get better. Mm. You know, we just get better and we become more and more whole. But yeah, I mean, this is an ongoing work. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so I feel like it would be a total miss to not talk about the fact that your experience as we sit here, um, both in our relationship, this has come up a lot, and then specific to you owning a business and your whole journey, like, you're not a white woman. No. And I know that because it's audio, people can't see see you. So what has, what do you, how has that played into your life's journey? Now, obviously that's a whole other podcast episode. Of course. But like right before we hit record, we were kind of chatting about this. So if you wouldn't mind opening up, maybe even the way you view God, I mean, because the media and like I grew up picturing a white Jesus, which now is really comical because Jesus definitely wasn't white based on what we know. Like, right, right. I'm curious your view on God or Jesus, your how it plays into your faith. And then even just, yeah, your experience in the world as a woman of color. Yeah. Um, so I, it's, it's interesting. So I am probably the, the darkest in my family. 
So my family immigrated to Chicago from Uruguay. Um, so everyone is fair skin, light eyes, light hair. Um, but my father is Native American Indian, and I am his spitting image. Mm. Um, so gorgeous. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> um, so you know, I remember really feeling it in high school. Um, I didn't fit in with, and I I, I always said that it was um, I was too uh, I was too white for the Latinas. And I was too Hispanic for the white girls. Um, and then I joke that I would sit with the black girls and I fit right in. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because you're sassy. And I feel like a lot of my black friends are real sassy and bold. And actually, that's really bad of me. I shouldn't like stereotype or generalize. That's right. something I'm no, working on. Yeah, I think, you know, and that really was my experience. So me being who I am, I remember in high school, I was like, I'm going to test this out. I'm going to I'm going ho- to like create my own little experiment. And so I spent a week where every day that week I sat at a different table um, and really feeling that I didn't fit like I didn't I didn't fit. Um, I didn't grow up speaking. I grew, Spanish is my first language, um, but I didn't grow up speaking Spanglish. And so at the lunch table, tons of girls were speaking Spanglish. The majority of the girls sitting at the table were either Mexican or Puerto Rican and Although my very best friends have always been Mexican or Puerto Rican, there are huge cultural differences between Mexicans, Puerto Ricans, Uruguayans, Costa Ricans, Panamanians. I mean, night and day. Yeah. And so even like the foods that we ate were so different. I didn't grow up eating tortillas. Um, I grew up eating uh, French bread and lots of pasta and steak because my family um, is also Italian. So the matriarch of our family is very Italian. And so I grew up in a very Italian household. Mm. Um, I had a boss. Um, um, I had a boss in college. Um, I remember I in the, when she first met me it was um, she had interviewed me for an internship and she, we we hit it off. I got this internship. She eventually became my boss. Um, and I remember when she finally felt comfortable enough. She's like, um, what did she say? She's like, you aren't like a typical like lat. Latina, you know, and I was like, what does that mean? Typical Latina, you know, Um, but I think, you know, I think it's very real that in our world, if you are, if you sound, if you behave, um, if you could pass um, for white, Mm. um, it's better. Mm. (laughs) That was always the messaging that I received. And so, oh yeah, you are, you know, Hispanic, you are Latina, um, but we're comfortable. Like this Mm. is comfortable, Mm. you know? You're white enough. You're white enough. Mm. Yeah. Uh And do you think that played into kind of circling back to the very beginning of this conversation? Like, do you think that played into why you wore masks and why you looked at all these successful people and tried to like mold yourself to be like them? Oh, totally. When I was in college, I was sitting with my financial aid advisor and I'll never forget this. She was Christian and I was not at the time. And um, I was talking to her about changing my name Um, because as an event planner, I really feared that people would not just based off of like my name they wouldn't call me to hire me because my name didn't sound at all white you know yeah. I mean Rocio Vallejo um and it was and was really considering changing my last name so um, my grandmother again who's Italian her last name is Rabati and so I was like Rocio Rabati like that you know Rocio's still hard but I mean if I could pass for Italian then <laughs> that's 
better, Mm. (laughs) you know? And I remember my financial aid advisor looking at me and saying, your name is going to mean something to a lot of people. Mm. Um, And then she said, I probably shouldn't have said that. I don't think, I think that was for me. I don't think that was for, for me to share with you. And I literally in that moment was like, oh my gosh, I think God was talking to her. (laughs) Wow. And I wasn't even a believer at the time, but I, that was the, that moment marked, um, just, I I made the, the decision in that moment that I would never, ever consider changing my name again. Mm. yeah i love that Mm -hmm. and your name does mean so much to so many people yeah like not just me but i feel like in our community specifically here locally on the west side of chicago like you have just been able to partner with people and walk with them through the inner work that they need to do in the healing and to hold space for people like you do that so well and so you you. know Mm -hmm. whether the world knows your name or yeah i mean it doesn't yeah yeah you know and it's who i am so yeah screw that I I love it. What's it been like for you? Do you feel like you hang out with or are like pouring into and investing into with your work white girls or a a mix of people? Like, obviously, I'm a white girl. Like, I want to hear from you on that because obviously when we get together and we spend our time together, we don't talk about this. So it's fun to hear what's your experience with with white women yeah. i mean so, I, you won't offend me so no so me in so interestingly enough i probably coach more white women than um any other race or nationality mm-hmm. um or women of any other nation um race or nationality um yeah and i love it i love it you know um but i do my community and my friends are incredibly diverse incredibly diverse so i have friends that you know and even my family I mean my family's my we always joke that like we're the united colors of Bennington (laughs) (laughs) um so I you know to me it's it's all it's all the same I notice the differences so you know tell tell us some of the differences I'm curious yeah so um let me see let me think well I did want to say this first um if you don't mind but I um I used to see this as a flaw where I always, I was really good at always sitting on the fence and always feeling like I had to pick a side or choose a side um, and would get really frustrated with myself um, and thought that it was a weakness. And what God has shown me is that it's actually a gift and one of my strengths. And so I consider myself a peacemaker. Mm -hmm. And so, and it allows me to do the work that I do um, really well, but I can see both sides um of a variety of of a variety of issues and they're both valid Mm. um but it is our experiences our culture our upbringing societal structures that lead us to believe the things that we come to believe right our truth it's our truth. Mm. And I think it, it has really been a gift to be able to sit on the fence and to work with so many people from so many different backgrounds and to hear their truth and to be able to, uh, or to be invited to speak into their truth. Um, and, and then to witness the transformation that happens when they realize that maybe my truth isn't the truth, you Ooh, know? Yeah. Um, and I think that is, true of a lot of our conversations Amanda yeah (laughs) no totally yeah totally there's been I mean in the last few years you've gotten to watch me question 
and just be curious about my truth and other people's truths and really kind of holding the space that maybe there isn't the truth. Maybe there are all these truths and not one is wrong and they're Mm -hmm. all valid Mm -hmm. and coming to a place of curiosity about Mm -hmm. things rather than just being so like defensive and standing our ground in our own truth. Maybe, maybe that's the better way, right? To right. be curious and to be open. Always, always. And, you know, I grew up very sheltered. So what I found that, um, I found that even being a person of color, um, man, I probably leaned more to the views of, of like the white, a white community, you know, which is really interesting. But I remember looking at, really young, I remember looking at, um, you know, we drive through, you know, uh, lower income neighborhoods and just thinking, come on, like, mm. get it together, you know, go mm. get a job. Mm. Um, or looking at, and it's interesting because of the work that I've done, I've worked with lots of inner city youth, kids that are labeled um, at risk. Um, and so that has helped transform how I viewed um, just brown and black kids um, specifically mm. you don't see them as often now but back in the day you would see gangbangers hanging out on every corner especially in the community that I grew up in um, and thinking the same thing like mm. just get it together and not realizing that there are social structures that have been put in place that are keeping communities and people of color um, down yeah. Right. So I've grown incredibly passionate about the transmission of transgenerational trauma, um, especially as it pertains to black and brown communities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know we're wrapping up here and getting towards the end of our time, but would you speak to that for just a minute? Would you share with all of us listening? Uh, you're just full of wisdom. What can we do? This is a broad question. So take it where you want. Mm-hmm. What can we do to create a longer table instead of a higher fence? Yeah. Listen. Listen, I think that we're so quick to speak. Um, I think that we're really good and and understandably so, we're human, right? We're fleshly, breathing, living, human, broken beings. Um, and so fear is real. And so I think that a lot of times, even when we're when we feel like we're open and willing to sit at a longer table, um, we're probably living with a lot of fear. Um, and I understand that. Um, but again, like just listening, right? Like really just listening. I feel like I'm trying to say something, but I'm going all over the place. Um, no, no, you're making (laughs) perfect sense. Yeah. But, um, but I, you know, I think out of that fear, we want to, sometimes we speak too quickly. Um, we want to become defensive. We want to, um, justify why we believe the way that we do, um, and I think sometimes, it, yeah, you just need to sh- be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say shut up I and know, listen. Yeah. But it, I think that's true for all of us. There's yeah. so much to learn. There's so much to learn from other people. Yeah, yeah. And what I found, and this was, and, and kind of like maybe like circling back to my story, what I found was that we could be so incredibly different. but And the things that make you happy and the things that make me happy, those things tend to be different. But the pain, the brokenness, um, the struggles, uh, those are, that's how we connect. That's mm. actually where we connect because that's, I feel like that is where we are most human when we're in that space. And in order to get there, we have to take off our mask for one. Definitely. We have to listen. Yes. And, and I think it would, you know, lis- you can act like you're listening, but I think to really listen, you have to put 
your ideas, your beliefs that you so, you know, cling to on the shelf. Yes. For a minute. Yes. To be curious and to be able to even receive someone else's truth. Right. So I think you've like done such an amazing job helping me grow in that way. Um, And even just living in Chicago has like just really helped me. Um, I I think whenever you move out of, you you know, the town that you grew up in and your own space, you know, and get a little uncomfortable and uh, specifically, obviously moving to Chicago is like a more diverse city where I'm around more people who have different life experiences than me and who look differently than me and who believe differently than me. It has, it has totally transformed who I am and the way I view the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so people always ask me like, mm-hmm. well, how did you kind of start in that journey? I'm like, I don't know. I left my, I left my hometown and I went to this yeah. community and took the approach of listening and wanting to learn. Mm-hmm. And I mean, fear is real, but you have to put that aside if you're ever going to uh, hear what other people have to say. And if you're ever going to um, receive it the way that, the way that we're supposed to hear other people's stories. And so I am so grateful for your role in my life. I'm so grateful for this conversation. I know that it's going to impact a lot of people and give them something to chew on. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me.